Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Short Tales. For today's episode, I'm incredibly pleased to be joined by the lovely and delightful Cass Page. Welcome, Cass. Oh, thank you. That's a really <laughs> nice intro. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Um, so, like, a, a few weeks ago, obviously, I was asking if you're happy to come on the pod and if and what you might want to talk about. And you, like, almost immediately came up with a topic I generally think is so important and perhaps sometimes unspoken of for a lot of creatives out there or anybody just sort of like learning stuff and maybe yeah just super excited to to talk about it with you and I don't know why I'm talking around it because I'm pretty sure it'll be the name of this episode but uh Cass what are we talking about today? Failures! Yay! (laughs) One of my favorite things! (laughs) (laughs) Um yeah like I said I love this I love the idea for this topic because it's it is sort of I don't know like there's a tabooness I think around failure that shouldn't be there I, I don't know if it's just like our our culture is that or mm. what but yeah what was it about failure like what is it about failure that makes it one of your favorite things I think you're spot on with it uh potentially just being a cultural thing I mm. don't know much about like failure and success building otherwise in other cultures yeah, so yeah. much um but I think the way we talk about failure the way in which it's often meant in terms that you did not succeed at something right it is so hard to not it, it's as hard to not succeed at something as it is to succeed at something because they're all parameters we set ourselves yeah and yeah. inversely the idea of success that we have one of the most important things you would do in your life is to figure out what you think success is mm. because when you sit down to do it, you realize it's hard. Yeah. Um, unless you have like a really specific goal in mind, mm. then it becomes a bit easier. But for a lot of people, you might be like, I want to be successful. And then mm. you're like, no, that is something you've been told to be and you think it'll be really fulfilling. Yes, and yeah. it can be, Sure. but you need to figure out what success means to you because it's going to be different yes. to other people. You might look at someone and think they're not successful. You might look at someone and think they're so successful, but if they don't think they're successful, it doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, And failure has been a really beautiful discovery. I'm not about to talk about – I'm not going to have any original ideas, but it's it's just like (laughs) I've curated Mm. all of the most beautiful failure lessons I've learned. Yeah. Can I tell everyone about them? Because I think it's it's made my life so much better. Yeah. There is such power in failing – and living. <laughs> yeah, I love it though, but I like I like you even sort of just reframing it in this obviously positive context, which to me that's the trick of it. It's like it's failure obviously the word itself the, what you're thinking of is all negative aspects. Any sort of word association game you're going to play with it, they're going to be all these negative words. We don't have a positive word for it. Right. And it's like, well, cool, can we like again without getting too self-helpy, but like I think it's necessary for anybody, yeah, anyone who's creative or wants to learn things to reframe it in a positive mindset because it 
it opens doors in your mind and in your life that you, you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. So what sort of like, what set you down this path? I know when we were talking about it a while ago, you sort of had this awesome experiment you were sort of doing or? Oh, that was actually step two in my process. Okay. So let's, let's go back. Let's so, start one. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing that really kicked me off down my failures path, and I think, I think this is one of the things, like I knew in my brain, like mm. in my head, I knew that, you know, if you don't succeed at something, like that really famous quote from Adventure Time, mm. sucking at something's a first step to being really good at something. Yeah, yeah, love that. Like if you are good at something first, go like cool, but mm. is there really going to be that like challenge and reward and payoff? And yeah. like some people being good at it first goes good enough. Like it's so it's so fragmented even in that, even mm. in being good at something first go or getting something right first try because mm. for some people – that's just not going to bring the same level of satisfaction. For some people, the enjoyment out of life is their version of success right. is going to be learning, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's going to be different yes. for every person. Yeah. And I knew all this in my head and like, you know, like do it once, get it wrong, try again. Like mm. that's why we have first draft. I never did a first draft in uni. I was yeah. so lazy and yeah. like, you know, scrapping your first idea, but I'd leave everything to the last minute. So I just never had these things in practice Right. until I went uh, to one of the most transformative experiences of my life. Clown school for a day. <laughs> um, I Wait, did... this led to failure? I can't, I don't know where the connection lies. <laughs> no, it was brilliant. So it was run by Zach Zucker, who uh-huh. is a Collier-trained clown. Oh, wow. Okay, um, yeah. And it was brilliant. And the first, I got there late. I knew him, so I was like, mm. I want to, you know, do well and, you know, impress this person who I yeah. really admire and look up to. And I got in late and walked into a circle. Everyone was standing in a circle. Okay. And Zach was like, okay, we're going around the circle. You say, what's your name? Why you're here? And then do something funny. Oh. And I was just like, oh, my God, I don't know these people. Like, I don't know the vibe. Like, I don't know. And, like, this is someone who I just look up to so much and I wanted to yeah. really impress. Went around the circle and I can't remember what I did, but everyone sort of gave, like, a <laughs> awkward laugh because everyone's obviously feeling right. awkward. But the whole class, like, the way he taught it was pretty much like you, you would get up and do something and if it wasn't funny, mm. get off the stage, try again. And then there would be, oh, sorry, you'd, you'd get up, try something. If it didn't mm. work, try another thing. And then eventually you'd hit a point and be like, no, nah, get off stage, try again in a bit. Okay, yeah. And so the class pretty much forced you to constantly fail in front of people in one of the right. things which, like, I mean, I don't know if it's still ranked there, but I know public speaking is ranked above death in people's greatest yeah, fears. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty confronting. And I know it's, you know, a lot easier for me because I don't mind it, but mm. it was like, oh my God, I don't know these people. Like, this is someone I really want to impress and I'm just trying to be funny. Yeah. It's so, so much pressure. But we were there for hours and it got to the stage where you'd do something and you wouldn't get a laugh mm. and you'd get off stage and then you'd come back later. Like, it was so, so fast. You didn't have time to wallow. Yeah. And you'd just keep coming up with things. Mm. And then eventually something would stick or it wouldn't and it didn't matter because like yeah, you realize yeah. that every single person's in the same boat. If someone does it, you're not jealous of them. You're like, oh, sick, good. Yeah, or like yeah. someone fails, you're just like, oh, fair enough. Like that was me about 30 seconds ago. Yeah, right. And it forced you to get into this cycle. And I think one of the most valuable things that I got out of it is when you fail at something, it doesn't kill you mm. and it doesn't do anything bad to you. Like mm. you might feel a bit bad, but also who cares? Like being in that situation of constantly having to make a joke, be funny, make Oof. the whole room yeah, laugh yeah, yeah. and just eating shit at it so right. often was amazing. It was yeah. so good because I just, yeah, it was, that's, I mean, that's so much pressure. It's like get up, tell a joke. Yeah, man. Like get up, you, do physical comedy. You're like, oh my God, am I funny? Yeah, well, like you're talking about like obviously public speaking is one of people's greatest fears. I actually was looking up yesterday, like the fear of failure is also with like in the top 10. People are just like, what are your greatest fears or failures in there? 
clowns is in there. Like he uses <laughs> this has got it all. Yeah. Throw some spiders up in there and that's done. You can walk away. Yeah, do a little skit about spiders. But I think just being in that cycle of constantly failing. Yeah. And then you get off the stage and you try again. And then by the end of the day, you you know that you've made people laugh. Right. And it's it's not 100% of the time. Of course it's not 100% of the mm-hmm. time. But you've amongst everything, you end up being really proud of what you did do. Yeah. And I'm, I, like I came out of that feeling really good about myself, being like, yeah, wow. Like, oh, totally. Overcoming that thing that I just – I so genuinely – it's just – I think it's cultural, societal. It might mm. be worldwide. It's like it's, it's really – we're not allowed to not be perfect or great mm. at something. And But I think that's mostly in our heads because – we don't care. Yeah, right. No one cares if someone's bad at it. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't really have a big effect on your own life and it doesn't have a big mm. effect on someone else's life. If you're watching someone be bad at something, like, if I'm thinking of, like, the absolute worst case scenario, yeah. it would be like, oh, that wasn't good. Yeah, right. And that's it. And, like, weirdly, like, this this clown <laughs> class is, like, almost a really nice analogy for for failure in the real world because it's like, I was thinking, oh, yeah, but, like, of course everyone's, like, everyone's literally in the same boat here. So you're failing, but they're going to go next and they're going to fail and then, you know, the next person's going to come up and they're going to fail because you're all trying to do this clown class. You've all been given the same task to, mm. to you know, which arguably, like, well, that's it for the real world as well. The task, I guess, is succeed. And like you said, it's it's your version of success anyway. Yeah. And granted, you might find other people who have the same version of success as you, but they're all failing along the way as well. Like, so... Yeah, we're even all in the same boat. We're all trying to be clowns in that way. And so, of course, you're not. no one's going to be, like, judging you that harshly because they're all facing the same kind of thing. Yeah. So I want to ask you about that as well because, obviously, there is that, like, fear of failure. If before this class had happened, well, how much did you know about this class? Like, did you know that, that that would be the case? They're going to walk in. They're going to say, hey, cool, now do something funny. Like, if you had known that beforehand, would, would there be more hesitation to jump in? Um, cause I had spoken with Zach before and he'd spoken about his own process of like going with failure and seeking it out almost yeah. like as this thing that you really, it's so necessary, mm. especially for his practice. And I, I am really like, he's really talented. So yeah, I yeah. think I still would have gone to be like, oh, I'll learn. But I think I would have been really nervous. Yeah. But being thrown in the deep end to just be like, oh, okay, that's cool. And it's changed my life to the point of it's the difference between knowing in your mind that failure is a necessary part of everything yeah. and you have to do it yeah. to be successful. And, you know, like taking a step up the ladder is technically failing at getting to the top until you're there. Right. Like things like that. But then things, I knew it yeah. in my body because I felt that weird, I don't know if it's like that rejection, that shame or mm, something mm. of like, putting yourself out there and it not working and then feeling it be fine immediately, feeling that it doesn't matter in a really lovely way and then Mm. feeling that you will eventually get some successes. And it doesn't matter if I ended the day making no one laugh or if I made someone laugh right at the end. Like I, in my brain, like that was a really successful thing because it taught me so much. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was very, very good. I would recommend that everyone do a clowning class yeah. um, or any class where you have to just get up and fail in front of people. Yeah. And it's put me in this mood where I was like, I want to start seeking out failures, mm. which led me to the experiment I was yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. And again, this is an original. I found it. I can't remember who the creator was, but it's this um, idea that if you have a goal, instead of making your goal, I think this person's example was they were an artist mm-hmm. and they wanted to be exhibited. Mm. And they wanted their work to be in an exhibit. So instead of making their goal, I am going to be exhibited because that's so much pressure. Oh, yeah. Um, she made her goal. I'm going to collect 100 rejection letters from galleries. And she was explaining it and she said that she had to eventually stop doing it and stop collecting her failures because she started applying to, and obviously still putting in effort, mm, but mm. she would see ads for exhibitions going and she'd be like, oh, my work's not ready. And she'd be right. like, well, I need to co- collect a rejection letter. Right. Like That's I'll still submit. Yeah. And then she'd submit for things that 
she was like, oh, my art doesn't really suit or yeah. I don't think I'm good enough mm. or all these things that she wouldn't have applied for but because the goal was to collect all these rejection letters, mm. she got so much work she had to stop huh. and she couldn't she oh, couldn't keep awesome. applying to things because she got into so many gallery exhibitions. Yeah. And I've seen people do the same thing with if you want to get published, like if you want to yeah. get your stories published, get 100 rejection letters from yeah. magazines or anthologies. And I at the time in my life was like I don't have any specific – goal I want to achieve. Mm. So I'm just going to start collecting failures in general. Yeah. And one of the first things I did, and it, again, it made everything really exciting because it forced me to reach out to people and mm. ask for things or try at things I would never think. And I had seen, have you heard of the New York City uh, like midnight competition? And we yes. see me that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I get targeted ads for that like every year. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there was one for the microfiction contest, which is just writing a hundred word short story in 24 hours. Yeah. And it popped up again. And I got the feeling as well as like, I'd love to do that, but I'm, I'm not a writer. I'm not good. Yeah. Like, who cares? And then I was like, oh, hang on. That's a failure then. So mm. I'll give it a go. And I gave it a go. And I think in my little division, I came fourth. <laughs> and when I got the little thing that said that I'd come fourth, I cried because I was like, <laughs> I have not done this for literal years. It's something I right. want to do. It's a challenge I wanted yeah. to set myself. And I never thought I was good enough and I never thought it was something that I could do. Mm. And I tried and I placed. Yeah. Like I was very happy. Like I had so my my list of failures ended up being Failures and then failed failures for things that I did end up doing a good job at. So failed so, failures, also known as successes, but in this case, yeah, yeah failed, but no, failed. the focus was on failures. So people are like, oh, you failed at failing. I'm like, I know it goes on the list. Does that count as two then? No, no, I'm just counting it as failed one. squared. But it was really nice to have this moment of like, this is something mm. that I honestly thought I was not qualified for, couldn't right, do, right. couldn't do anything. And then I did well. And so oh, I yeah. went to the next round, failed. So that went on my failures oh, list. There <laughs> didn't, you go. Got the didn't get through. Yeah. Um, and so I've been doing it this year as well. And mm. it's just like that, just to have that moment of this is something that I, I have been holding myself back from. Right. It was really fun to do. It was challenging. I loved doing it. Mm. I got to chat to my friends about it. I got some friends involved. Yeah. I had friends who like read over like what I'd done and mm. then be like, you did a good job. I like it. Yeah. It's it's a really nice experience and it was something that I had barred myself on yeah. for literal years right? because I didn't want to fail at it. Yeah. And as soon as I made failing my priority, I did well. Yeah, yeah, that's so, awesome. Really good. And so yeah. then I did it with other things like, you know, uh, there was, I think during one of the lockdowns, a viral little mushroom recipe where you pretty mm. much used um, – it, it was you. You made meringues, but you covered them in cocoa powder and made them into shapes, so they look like oh, little yeah. mushrooms. That's cool. Um, and I was like, "Oh, well, I'll just give that a go." Uh -huh. And then that ended up being like one of my favorite recipes I've made. Instead huh. of being like, "Oh, I don't know how to turn out," I'll just make normal meringues. Be like, yeah. "Well, I, that, that's something I, I get to try. I get to try a new thing." Yeah. Ended up making a hat, like just knitting a beanie. Oh wow! Okay. It took yeah, me a cool. full day of stopping and starting again, and then mm. eventually I just made a hat. Yeah, yeah. All these things that I just wouldn't have done because like too hard, not gonna do it. Mm. And I can't recommend enough just to start collecting failures. If you have a specific goal, do that. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't have a specific goal, just start collecting them because yeah, there's so failure. many failures to be had. <laughs> I made a crock and bush. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I reached out someone um, – Oh, there's a really beautiful, I've forgotten their name, mm. um, maker of like stays and corsets. And they were mm. like, oh, hey, like if you're in Victoria, like let me know. Like mm. I need models for like my corsets and stuff. I'm like, wow, that would be really, really fun. Mm, mm. So I messaged it and I didn't get the bit. But I was like, cool, now I know that when I message someone yeah. and they're asking, they're doing a call out for artists or mm, whatever, mm. and if I message them back, 
nothing happens. Like right. that's not that's not a bad thing. Like I'm not getting rejected. Yeah, you, you know, and you haven't lost anything, which I think is yeah. what that's the fear is. Like I'm going to lose. I don't know, some part of me, some respect myself, other people are going to lose respect for me. Like there's this idea of a loss, but like you're saying, it's actually, no, you're for sure gaining something. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it because failure feels like loss and I feel Mm. like the way that we process, like because that probably then translates to grief because grief is feeling loss and it doesn't, it's quite often when we lose a person, but Mm. you can have grief over any loss in your life and I feel like if we're constantly fearing failure, Mm. then we're almost like... I don't know, pre-grieving or something. Or if we treat our failures like a loss that we have undertaken, that means you put your body through the process of grief. Yeah. And that's not to say that you can like, you know, cheat your way out of grief sometimes because it's a very necessary part of being alive. It proves that you liked something. Yeah. But it's it's not necessary for everything. Mm, mm. The way that we present ourselves to the world, the way we interpret the world, there's so much opportunity out there. Mm. And I, I... I also remember the first time I started working at Sands Pants, one of the first podcasts I was on, mm-hmm. I was like in my early 20s and I was had this idea that I think a lot of people have where you're like, okay, you do, you know, you do school and you go to uni and then mm. you get your career and you die and, you know, like all that nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we did an episode of a podcast called Why Am I Sad? And we were talking about education systems or something. And mm. Zamet started listing all the schools that he'd gone to. Mm. And I think he went to, he was like, yeah, I did a year of art school, realized he didn't like it, stopped. Mm. Did a year of Chinese medicine, got to the first year they finished anatomy. Mm. And then as they were doing their first year of anatomy, part of the class, they looked at a severed hand oh. and the hand had pink nail polish on it. And he looked at it and was like, I can't do this. This is, yeah. this is not for me. And then he, yeah, so he did Chinese therapy art school, mm-hmm. he did a massage course, he was an academic for a bit, he yeah. did like an honours thesis research, he wasn't, yeah, like taught at the university. Mm-hmm. And as he was saying all this stuff, I was like, oh my God, that is so cool. Like you have amassed all these really cool skills. Yeah. You've tried so much. Mm. And it, and I now feel like it feels really good when I have a go at something and I hate it. Yeah, I'm right. like, oh my God, ticked off. Like yeah, I never have yeah. to worry about am I wasting my life not doing X if I've yeah. had a go. And he was saying all these things that he'd ever done and I was like, I want a life like that. I want a life where mm. I fill it yes. like to the brim with new things and I give everything a go and, you know, not overexert myself or anything, right. hopefully, but I was like, that is ideal. Yeah. But he was talking about courses he dropped out of, but mm. like it put it in a new light of like, no, no, that look at everything you yeah. tried. Like fail. Like I think trying is the best thing you can do. Mm. And it, it is so, it's such a vulnerable act yeah. to have a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like one of the most honest things you can do. Mm. And the worst case scenario is you get proof that <laughs> it can't kill you. Yeah, right. And I know that's a really extreme thing to say, mm. but when you have failed at something and then the rest of your life keeps going, yeah, it forces you to take stock and be like, oh, it's fine. And that's why I love clown school because yeah. you didn't even have time to wallow. You had to get up and try again immediately. Yeah, yeah, that's so and powerful. Just the just the practice of that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Stuff. I love that as well because like even for, for Zamanate case, it's like, no, he hasn't failed these courses. They He's learnt they weren't right for him. Like, again, that recontextualization of it. Yeah means that, no, he succeeded in finding out what wasn't right for him is sort of another way to do it. Yeah. And then I wanted to jump back to the grief thing because um, I kind of had a similar journey to you, not with like, and I didn't didn't go to clown class, but because um, <laughs> I do write short stories and I, I was like, all right, I'm going to get some of these short stories published. It's sort of like a necessary first step to sort of getting more traditional publishing and getting some of your work out there. Um, and so same as you, I sort of, I thought, all right, I'm just going to go for it. And I would put a few out there and 
inevitably they got rejected because it's like, yeah, I was a pretty early writer. They like, arguably they, they were kind of in a sense right to be rejected and they weren't my best writing. But I remember the first few times it happened, it was like someone had king hit me in the solar plexus. It was oh, just like, God. oh, this like gut wrenching feeling. And it would sort of, it would sit with me all day that this thing. And I think it was grief for, for myself, but also like grieving the hope that I had that that might, like, even mm. though I'd put this thing out there, I'd sort of like taken that risk, I guess, of putting this thing out there. But now the hopeful person in me was like, oh, maybe they'll accept it. Maybe like all these nice maybes that I get to sort of sit with and sort of chew on and go, I hope that happens. And then as soon as that rejection was like, no, 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 here's your king hit. Oh, I'd open yeah. the email ugh, in the guts or whatever. But then same as, um, same as you, I kind of went, I think it was actually hearing other writers talk about their steps to success. And obviously, yeah, everybody goes through failure because that is the process ultimately. And that reframing of it, like I think it might have even been might have been, Stephen King was definitely one of them because I think he talks about it in his book on writing where he had like a nail or something on the wall and he would th- pull all his rejection letters on this nail to the point that the nail couldn't hold them all up anymore because he had so many. And you're like, hold on, you're Stephen King. Um, and then I think even his son, Joe Hill, I re- remember reading something else where he had them like in a drawer or something like that. And I'm like, okay, well, these guys who obviously, yeah, they've done their duty of collecting all these rejection letters. And again, you're like reframing it to like, oh, I'm going to see how many I can get. And so a few years back, that was my goal. I remember that for that year, I'm like, I'm going to see how many rejection letters I can get. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's like literally was so freeing and it did everything you're saying where in my inbox, I've got like a folder for rejection letters and a folder for acceptance letters. And the rejection one is there's many, many more megabytes of rejection letters than there are of uh, acceptance letters. But it was, it became this thing of every time one came through and I was like pumping those stories out. And every time one, I had like a nice spreadsheet for all my stories I had all the different publications I wanted to send them to or competitions to enter and this sort of stuff. Great. That one rejected it onto the next one. Like just keep reusing the same stories, rewriting new stories, putting them in the thing. But yeah, really just trying to get almost like seeing it as getting crosses across the board of all these rejections. Mm. And it did everything you said where like all of a sudden it felt like a weird win when one came up. Like, oh, that's another one I can add to the list. Great. Cross that one. Go on my spreadsheet. Cross that off. Um, and then also that that sense of like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it was water off a duck's back now that punch in the solar plexus was completely gone. Like did not matter. And then occasionally like when you would eventually I would start getting acceptance letters and you're like, it was so unexpected. It's like, Oh my gosh, what a win like that. Yeah. The grief was entirely gone because I kind of had, it wasn't that I didn't have hope anymore, I guess, but it didn't matter as much anymore. Like, like you're sort of talking about, it's the doing of it. That's the important thing more so than that eventual success. And again, success is always, you know, in inverted commas, because for me, the success ultimately became I'm going to put as many stories out there as I can. So I was succeeding because that's what I was doing. Yeah. And so cool. I wasn't failing anymore. I was actually succeeding by failing. I, I think, I, I, and maybe this is across the board for creative stuff, mm. but I feel like you end up feeling more successful the more you create and the more you make because mm. that, that ends up being, well, that's kind of why you start. That's why you get into it is yeah, to yeah. make things and to, and you, you will make things and just be proud of them. Like they came from your head and you get to judge of what's course. good. So of yeah. course you're going to pick good stuff to go in the thing you make. Yes. And it feels so nice to to do that. Yeah. And I feel like there's a there's not a trap because I don't mean it in a negative way. It's how mm. we're taught to view ourselves and mm. the work that we produce. But it's like we're hanging on this little thread above a big black abyss. Mm. And they're like, cool, if you, you know, get the part, you get the job, you get the acceptance letter, we'll pull you up. And if not, we're just right. cutting it. Yeah, yeah. And so, oh, so many things, and it can be really difficult. It's, it's a, any sort of application, even if you're going mm. for like a house, mm. you're like, oh no, there's one I really, really want. Yeah, and I, I want it so bad. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it. 
I don't love the phrase everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. because I think the implications are a bit fucked because yeah. sometimes awful things happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think you you can always learn and grow from something. Mm-hmm. And I think taking those opportunities to learn and grow and taking them as opportunities to learn and grow mm. is so helpful when you view them as such. And it I don't think it makes bad things or rejections or anything Sometimes it can make them easier if you change your mindset enough and, yeah, like you start collecting sure. rejections. Yeah, yeah. But it, it makes, I think, the rest of your life a lot lovelier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had some friends and I, uh, it was a new moon recently, mm. so we went uh, onto the beach and uh, said what we wanted to release and take in for the new moon, yeah, and then we awesome. all did a big howl. Yeah. It was very, very nice, yeah. but the thing that I wanted to work on specifically was I'd realised that, and again, this is still me trying to unlearn this like idea of failure, mm. I wanted to learn more about myself and the way I interacted with the world, but instead of, you know how like sometimes working on yourself's hard and facing the reality sure. of who you are can be a bit difficult oh, if yeah. you want to be a better person. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but I was like, I'm, I had a realisation that whenever I thought about things like that, the idea of learning something I didn't like about myself mm. was terrifying. Mm. And getting to the stage where I, I was like, cool, if there's something I want to change about myself, finding out that I've, you know, not been a great person in some aspects or if I've been doing something that's potentially like, you know, not going to make other people feel great. Yeah. Like that's going to make me feel awful. And so for the new moon, I was like, I'm releasing that. And instead I'm going to welcome in excitement to grow. Yeah. Like I'm going to be really passionate about the opportunity to learn awesome. because if I do that, mm. it becomes something really exciting. I get to achieve all that, all those goals that I wanted to, Mm -hmm. there's not going to be fear attached to them anymore. I mean, like, you know, it's a process, probably still a bit of fear, but you know, I'm trying to, trying to reframe things so that you get more done Mm. if you're working towards something positive. Mm. And I love what you said about having that like hopeful person in you, because you're right. Like you should always be hopeful. Mm. And (laughs) another thing I started doing I don't know. Do you ever spiral? Oh, for sure. <laughs> do do. Oh yep. God, yes. Um, my favorite thing to do, and again, this is by no means an original thing. Uh-huh. But whenever you start to spiral, it's usually a thought process that keeps going down, 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 down. Yeah. And um, potentially, I've heard where people are like, "Oh, like I'm, I'm spiraling." If you have a really great imagination, you're going to spiral so hard because yeah, you can right. think of so many things yes, yeah. that will go wrong or like why something's bad. So you have one thought and it's like, oh, what if that happens? What if that happens? What if that yeah. happens? You corkscrew into the abyss. This cascade has happened now of like, yeah, all yeah. these terrible things. All these people are going to think all these things and all the rest. Yeah. yeah. And I think we do that when we're, when we're contemplating failure mm. and we're thinking what happens if I don't succeed? Yeah. Um, because yes. the, again, if we're having success as one fixed point, mm-hmm. that's too much pressure to put on yourself, I personally think. But if you've got your success as one fixed point, that means that any miss of that one fixed point is going to be failure. And because there are so many different pathways to what I would consider success and we're not considering them a lot of the time, we're looking at one fixed point, Mm. it means that you've got so much room to spiral. Like literally if this one thing doesn't happen, it is a failure. That means every other outcome in the world you can spiral off of. So, I mean, for for that I would obviously Mm. recommend uh, changing your idea of success, like as you were saying, like mm-hmm. making it so that you're creating stories. Like for me, one of my goals in life is to make people laugh. Mm. And I know that there are so many ways that I can do that. And the, mm. 
Like I can do that, you know, on a stage or with my friends or on Twitter, you know, like I can do so many different ways to feel my version of success. And it's not a fixed point. It's not like I'm like, I have to perform at this venue on this time. I have to have this many people in the crowd. Like, you know, and I think it's fine to have goals like that, but to pin success to a fixed point, I think is not fair in a fluid world. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've started doing instead is if I feel myself spiraling, Mm -hmm. obviously change your point of success. So Mm -hmm. spiraling becomes a bit trickier. Yeah. Start spiraling up. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Because first of all, you're not psychic. You don't know the future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. No, you don't. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yes. Do not claim that for yourself. First of all, take yourself down a peg. I you can't this. tell the future. Yeah. Second of all, okay, when have you been right about a spiral? Right. Is it often? Nope. Mm. Has it ever? Probably not. Yeah. I don't think anyone really reaches the depths of a spiral and actually has it happen into fruition. So, you know, in that first part, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Respectfully, you have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Second of all, if you're so creative as to make all these spirals, then force yourself to spiral up. Right. And it's a really good exercise to force your brain into stopping mm. and doing something else. It occupies your brain. It uses all that creative energy and it feels ridiculous. But then you, it makes you realize all of the ridiculous things you're saying. So like, oh, like, oh, I'm going to go to this gig and I'm going to, you know, I'm probably going to say the wrong thing and then people are going to not like me. No one's going to like, blah, 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 spiral, spiral down. It's like, all right, idiot. I'm going to go to this gig and find a hundred bucks on the ground. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so is your thing. Right, Cool, exactly. you're going to find a hundred bucks on the ground. Okay, then what? Uh, and then you're going to make everyone laugh so hard, someone in the first row pisses themselves. <laughs> oh, that's a bit ridiculous. So was the other thing. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. one's going to hate you for saying two words. You're yeah, fine. Yeah. And forcing yourself to do that upward spiral, Yeah. I find it so nice because it's distracting, it's silly, mm. it makes you realise in a really fun and nice way that like – you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. And like, even like what you're talking about, like putting all this this pressure on this certain fixed point. If this one thing doesn't go wrong, everything else every, everything else is going to go wrong behind it. Like, put so much weight on it. And so, by doing that, you're just lifting that weight right off. It's like yeah. clearly not. Like clearly, that's not going to happen. Hold up! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Putting your version of success to be a goal because mm. that's different. If you have a goal, that's one yeah. thing, sick. Make sure your goals are as fluid and changing as the world around you is. Mm. If you've got one goal and, you know, you want to submit to a journal that gets shut down, 
okay, like that's that can still be a fluid goal. You can change it to a different goal, but yeah. your goal can't be your success because mm. goal is thing. Yes, success is how you want to move through the world. Right, and like, <laughs> I, like even, yeah, no, I really like that because even like success isn't it's not a single thing. It's an no. ongoing thing, and it's it's like you, like you said right off the bat, it's individual to every person. Mm-hmm. So then. Not only is it individual to you, but it's going to change day to day because your goals, like you're saying, those goals are either going to, you might reach those goals, you might not. Your goals might change entirely if you decide like, damn it, that there's actually no, I don't even like this thing that I'm doing or it's not right for me. Yeah. So that you can be successful almost always. You're successful just because you're putting yourself out there and you're trying these things and you're finding out they're not for you or, or that, yeah, you did submit X amount of stories to X amount of places or whatever. So success is almost like... If if we're doing it right, this arguable constant. I don't want to put too much pressure on anyone on there either. Yeah. Um, but it's more that it's more just that, yeah, because it's more framing it as goals v success or goals over success because well, yeah, goals are tangible. Yeah. You can come up with a multitude of goals. I think you're always gonna have goals. And mm. I think one of the most beautiful things about human beings and being alive is also the thing that just absolutely fucks us sometimes, mm. which is that we always strive to be better and better and better. Yeah. And I think that rules. Like if that is the thing that motivates us to, you know, invent stuff and try new things. It is that driving force of innovation. And yeah. I think it is, you know, it is one of the coolest things mm-hmm. about people Yeah, that we constantly keep reaching forward and forward and forward. And, mm. you know, we're never happy with what we do and we want sure. to be better and better yeah. and better. And again, that does drive innovation and that keeps us in that beautiful perpetual motion, but mm. it, it can get us stuck sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And to that, it's so much pressure and it means that we don't look back mm. because we're always looking forward. And again, Adorable for some things. Love people. Think they're great. Yeah. But we need to be conscious of that thing that we have in us that mm, keeps mm. us propelling through the sky. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And I like even just the way you like even just moving towards a goal is like something you said before. You like well, there's lots of different ways to to actually get that yeah. goal. Like you're you're talking about you know making people laugh. There's so many different avenues to to do that on rather than if you're fixing yourself to one. Um, and another writer I really like, Neil Gaiman, he talks about it as moving towards the mountain, as though the mountain is sort of this eventual goal in the distance and whatever. And so, like, when you come across a decision you make, like, is it moving you closer to the mountain or further away from the mountain? Mm. And it's not necessarily like, oh, one's right and one's wrong. It's just like, well, is it achieving the thing I want to achieve or is it not? And so in terms of, like, success and failure, it's like, well, you've you've moved closer to the mountain. It might not be you're at the mountain yet. Yeah. Or that, oh, but I can see there's a track over there that like that's the traditional track to get to the mountain or whatever exactly. it might be. Cool, but this one's still getting you close to the mountain. So that's gotta be a good thing, you know. Like and so yeah, I think just that that awareness of, you know, trying different things to get to the place you want to be or just to achieve a goal or just trying them for the sake of trying them, all yeah. of it's like good. And then ultimately it's like failure stops being that important of a thing in that journey because you're just like it's more interesting in what you can do rather than what you you might fail to do, I guess. Do you have any goals or like what's your version of success? Um, that's a great question. So for me, <laughs> this is going to sound a bit arrogant. I, I see myself as successful already and that's purely no, because I like <laughs> I, I had a very low bar for myself. Someone asked me recently like because I'm a writer, like, oh, what are your writing goals? And I'm like, I've actually already achieved them. My writing goals were to try to be a writer because like I, I was very much like a, 
a very shy, kind of nervous teenager and then was following that path of like, well, I, I guess I better follow what I deem as traditional success. I'll go to university, I'll study a thing mm. that will get me a job, that will pay me money and I guess I'll climb that ladder in that job, earn all the monies <laughs> and now I've been successful. Straight path to the mountain. <laughs> yeah, straight to that mountain. I think there's a highway there, I better take that highway. <laughs> and so basically that's what I was doing and so I went into science because basically just because my year 12 science teacher said, you're good at this. So I thought, okay. I'm like, I enjoy learning about science. It turns out I don't really enjoy the practical side of science because it's quite monotonous and, you know, you've got to have a real sort of fixed brain for that where I was always, I always loved creativity. I was always drawing and I did web comics for years and this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, I got halfway through my uni degree and realized, oh, this isn't actually right for me. But I thought, well, a full degree is better than half a degree. I better finish. And so I finished and rah, rah, rah. And then ultimately by the time I finished uni, I had a gap year and went overseas. And by the time I came back, I'm like, well, all I want is money. So I've got this degree. I might as well use it to start earning some money. And so I've got a job in that field and yeah, started that climbing the ladder stuff and getting better jobs and all the rest. But I wasn't really loving any of it. And I also felt super unfulfilled on the creative side of things. But there was a part of me that was like, had accepted this is this was my life forever. Yeah. Like 100% completely accepted it. And part of it was definitely a fear of failure. Obviously, the creative world is, one, it's like full of failure. You you have to fail. It's mostly <laughs> like, failure. It's mostly <laughs> failure. Exactly right. And especially like then the, the idea of like the freelance lifestyle, which is exactly what I'm living now. It's like it's so tumultuous and you're going to be poor a lot of the time and other time you might be really time poor and it's just like all these different pressures that are never constant. So you kind of like, for me, who was a bit more fearful and obviously a routine is such a comfort, mm. all that would be out the window. So like I'd so convinced myself that was my path that I didn't really ever conceive of anything else. And then I don't even really know what the catalyst was. It might've been just like uh, dating my now wife and her being so encouraging or even just getting to a point in my job where I'm like, oh no, I, I can't, I can't do this forever. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh no, 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 David, you were wrong. This is like, you thought you could do this? No, no, no. And so then me, like basically I left that job and went and did the master's of screenwriting. And so me doing that, like taking that leap into doing the masters of screenwriting and trying to be a screenwriter and, and taking that fearful leap away from comfort and security, like already that was like, oh, I've done it. Like again, which sounds a bit arrogant in that oh, I've already reached success, but literally from that point on, I've, I haven't really had expectations in terms of, oh, I've got to achieve all these things for people to see me as a great writer. Mm. And so like anytime I've gotten to a writer's room or I have had a story published or whatever it might be, it's always like, oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, I didn't expect that, <laughs> you know. And so literally, yeah, that's kind of my feeling. And it's and it's maintained even though like, of course, because if you do anything enough, you get better at it and you do start to progress. Absolutely. That all ties into failure as well because, yes, of course, the only way to get good at something is to fail. You know, that's old hat. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've managed to do some really cool, fun stuff, even just doing these podcasts and everything. Like I love doing them and it's something that – once was inconceivable to me. So the fact that I get to get up and do any of that stuff already feels like a big old win for me. So what about for you? How do you see for yourself? Um, I just want to touch on the doing something that feels inconceivable because that was, again, for me, one of the driving catalysts like that just brought me to tears because I was like, I didn't think I could do that and I did it. And I not only did it, I did an okay job, which yeah. was a, a fun bonus. And yep. I've done so many things where I haven't done an okay job and I've still loved it. Like mm. the process is really fun to me. So yeah, I think good advice is to do something inconceivable, even if it's just small. Yeah. Um, I think I had a similar, not similar, I, while I was in uni, so I studied mm. linguistics and it was because it was something I enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. And for a while I considered a job in academia and then the idea of having to grade papers made me want to die. <laughs> yeah. I spoke to someone who, I think they were a tutor and uh, marking papers and mm. they were telling me that 
in theirs, I think they had about two minutes to grade every essay Yeah. or unpaid overtime to actually yeah, give the students yeah. feedback. And I yeah. was like, that would break my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would hate that. Yeah. I actually face that at the moment where, <laughs> so I teach screenwriting now. Like our grading time is, is not uh, appropriate to what we have to like in my second semester, I get whole scripts from the students. Oh my God. So hey, like, you need to dedicate time to, I, yeah, yeah. Oh I yeah. Get that. <laughs> <laughs> no good. Um, yeah, so consider doing that for a bit, but mm. there was one class in uni that I did. It was Japanese, and my preferred study style was to not. So every time I would study a language, it would get to the – you'd study a language, and then at the end of the week you'd do your little vocab test. Right, yeah. And Japanese, the way they structured it was they would give you all of the vocab to learn over the weekend. Mm. So you did the vocab test on Monday when you came in, yeah, okay. and then the rest of the week, because you already knew the words, yeah. you could fit it all into the grammar, so you could all focus right. more on the grammar. Yeah. And Japanese is super phonetic, so it's like mm. once you know the basics, it's not hard to learn your vocabulary, and okay. like they'd structured it really well. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't study, so I did the first semester. I think there were like two weeks where I studied really hard for the vocab mm. test because I was so just out of it. I studied for the wrong weeks. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> and I just I cooked it. The, yeah. I was I should have done a lot of things different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember getting to the mid year, and every single time my friend would walk me to class and be like, "Hey." you are stressed every single time you go in, mm. you should stop doing it. And I just mm. looked at them. I was like, no, I have to finish the year. And they were like, no, you don't. And I was huh. like, no, but I do. I started it. I have to finish it. Yeah. And so I stuck at it. Yeah. And so I felt awful every time I was in class right. because I didn't know what I was doing. It was really embarrassing. Mm. I also, for whatever reason, that did not encourage me to study. I just didn't. Do yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I've got my own things going on. But that was that was the thing. I I had someone point out to me, like, I can see you're unhappy. Yeah. Don't do this thing anymore. Stop the and thing I was like, making you unhappy but anymore. I have to finish it. Yeah. And that taught me a really valuable lesson lesson in knowing when to quit. Mm. Um, now I love a good quit. Yeah. I find acknowledging your own choice in your own life mm. the most empowering thing you could do. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Oh yeah. my god. The like even just little things like when people are like, Oh, I've got this dinner on Sunday, it's like with my extended family I don't get along with or whatever, I mm. have to go. And it's like, you don't. It's like, but I do. It's like technically you yeah. can start walking out your front door and never come back. Yes. You don't yeah. have to do anything. And it's like, oh okay, well, I guess if I don't go, I've got these consequences. Like, okay, so you would rather do this than face those consequences. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, awesome. Like that makes it a choice for you. And yes. I know that's really helped me a lot in my life yeah, to be yeah, like, to be like, oh, I really don't want to do this. It's like, okay, what are my options? Stay in bed all day. Um, you know, go to the shops, wag. Like yeah. do yeah, here yeah. are all my other options for the day. Do I want to do them? No. Why? Mm. Because I want to, you know, get paid for the work I do right. or I want to uh, maintain, you know, whatever I'm doing at mm. that time. Like I really doesn't matter. It's, mm. You'll mm. eventually find a reason that you want to do it yeah. or you won't. Yeah, right. So it it allows you to make those decisions with yourself because really you don't have to do anything. You can walk into a shop and just start stealing stuff. Yeah. It, and it's probably <laughs> – and you'll think about it and you'll probably be like, I don't want those consequences. Sick. Yeah. Choice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So doing that in uni, uh, making the wrong choice myself, not quitting when I should have, mm. taught me a, I think, about $785 lesson. Yeah, right. Invaluable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Worst I, grade yeah, I ever I got and yeah. best life lesson I ever got. Yeah. Came out of uni and, yeah, I just – I will every now and then have a moment, it's still something I'm working through, where mm. I'm like, oh, I got I got an office job. It was, mm. like, pretty well paying. It had opportunities to move up. Yeah. Got, like, a little promotion and then got, like, went for another promotion. Mm. And I didn't get it. And then when I went back to my desk after not getting the promotion, I just had this moment of like, oh, I'm so bored. Huh. Like if I'm if I'm thinking about the next promotion, mm. I'm like, oh, God, like I just have to do this for like another year until the, the promotion comes up again. If mm. I'm thinking about 
if I got the promotion, I would have been excited because it's something different and I didn't realise that that's what I was excited about yeah. until I sat down and had to keep doing the same thing and I was like, oh, oh no. And then I had moments of my family being like, hey, you are really stressed at this job. Mm. I had to I had to sort out my brain. I didn't know my brain was bung. Yeah. I had to fix my brain. But during that process of like me sort of going to see a psychologist and be like, Clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> See this thing? Could you just yeah. give it a rub down? Have a, a bit of a give a little zhuzh. Um, so at the time, like, a lot of that stress was just coming from my job because mm. where else would it come from? And my family was like, why are you staying at that job? I'm like, oh, to make money. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> no. That's Damn, upsetting. No. And so I went in and quit immediately. Yeah, um, but, fantastic. I mean, like, we had a busy period, so I was like, I'll stay up to the end. And my boss yeah. was like, you don't have to. And I was like, no, no, I want to. Like, right. uh, you've been really good to me. But again, like, choice. Yeah, again, choice. choice I was, yeah. they, she, she gave me an out. She was like, you can leave now. And I was like, nah, nah, yeah, yeah, I'll stay. Yeah. I'll stay. And that was really, really helpful. And mm. then I <laughs> lived off some savings, drained them, yep. um, <laughs> started doing podcasting. And I think I'm now in the process. I mean, I've been doing this for years now mm. and I'm in the process of trying to renegotiate what success means to me, what goals I want to set for myself so that I can live a life that I feel is successful because I feel like it, I think this is not a bad problem to have, mm. but I have been, again, being like what I want to do day to day, right? Um, not thinking too far into the future, not for any bad reason, but just like waking up in the morning being like, I get choices. What am I picking? Yeah. Which yeah. is lovely. And I really like that mm. because it makes me feel a lot more present. Mm -hmm. But now I want to make sure that I set little goals. As I said, like success for me is making people laugh. But another thing that I feel makes me successful when I do it mm. is acquiring little skills. Yeah. So yeah. being able to do cool things pretty much. Like I will take a little pottery course or do like there's a bunch of like classes offered in the city where you do like one or two weeks and so you know, not too much money. You mm -hmm. come out come out with a new skill. You can yeah. do jewelry making or pottery or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those things just like fuel me. I love getting my hands dirty, making Brilliant. something. Yeah. For, so for those two I'm like, okay, well maybe out of that I can set myself some goals along the way so mm -hmm. that I have something more tangible to work toward mm -hmm. because like having that forward momentum is really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. And good. so, yeah, I've, I've slingshotted the other way. I feel like throughout your life you're just going to be a little ball in a rubber band. You're going to bounce back sure. and forth. You're going to pong and then eventually everything's going to sort of relax and you find yeah, yourself in the Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I kind of came to the same thing where I, that is definitely part of the reason I left the, the science world was because, yeah, I was kind of bored. Mm. Um, and it is that thing of realising, oh, I can take my life into my own hands. Yeah. And it is like, oh, the only thing that's actually stopping me is me. There really isn't anything you else. You just get like, to pick. Right. And then, like, that is uh, – I can't express how, like, life-changing literally that is. It also comes with, like – Oh, that means I am in control. But I actually think mostly it's just like recognizing that, yeah, you've got all these, this control over yourself and you can do all these exciting things. And then I think it's sort of, yeah, like you're the ball bouncing back. It's like, oh, I can do nothing if I want. And like, that's really exciting for a little bit. But then ultimately learning that actually doing nothing sucks. Like it's really boring and it's not, it's, it's as boring, arguably more boring than the office job. You know, at least the office yeah. job, someone's giving you goals to achieve and you do get a little a little feeling of satisfaction anytime you achieve one. Whereas as soon as you like, you take that life into your own hands and you, you sort of, Oh, I can do nothing. I can do anything. Rah, rah, rah. But then, yeah, then I think it is about that next step of that process is learning. Oh, I need to create my own goals then. Mm. And then that to me is like super exciting. That's when it gets really interesting and fun because cool. Okay. Well, what do I want to do today? What, what sort of, what is success for me today? Especially if you're lucky enough to sort of have the opportunities to pursue those things that you really, really want 
then cool. Today I'm going to go and record a podcast with my friend and have a lovely chat, yeah. you know, like, or I'm going to work on that project that I've been really excited about, or I had a new idea. Let's put some hours aside for that today. Like all that, like there's still goals. You're not doing nothing now. You're doing stuff, but you're doing it purely for you. And you still get that nice sense of satisfaction that you had at your job, plus a greater one because you're being creative and you're pursuing those goals that you're after. And I just think, yeah, it's like really powerful. And sometimes the thing with failure is that it allows you to, to go down those avenues. Like if you hadn't yeah. failed, you might never have put that down. You might've kept going and trying that thing and trying, you know, finishing that Japanese course. And I guess I better go do the next step of whatever, you know, doing my honors in Japanese. Now I guess I'm teaching Japanese or whatever it is. Mm. Um, and so sometimes failure means you can just put them down and, and try something else. And like, it's yeah. so freeing and great when it happens. On the Japanese course thing, I was so convinced that I was going to literally fail the course mm. that I started getting really excited for what subject I was going to use to make it up with. Right. So I picked out one and it was all about like the history of witch hunts and witch trials oh and like gosh. all, yeah, all about like scene. that whole feminine persecution thing. Mm. And then I passed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, oh, all right. Uh, okay. okay, that's yeah. fine. And it's, I think, you know, that was also at the catalyst of me being like, I did not have to do that. Yeah. Um, but having those things in mind, uh, you know, I feel like, I don't know if you get this, mm. when you start pursuing a creative path, people will be like, well, what's your backup plan? And then there's yeah. that whole argument of like, I don't want to have one. Like if yeah, I'm yeah. if I'm dedicating time to a backup plan, that means I'm probably going to need it because I'm not dedicating time to the thing I want to do. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like I now have little backup plans that I get excited about and they're not things I dedicate like time to, but right. it's like, okay, what if um, I had a job once and I was, I was like, I think they might fire me. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, what if that happens? It was like, all right, if they fire me, I am going to do this course and start running my own business. Like yeah. I'll start my own version of what they've hired me to do because I reckon I can do it. Yeah. And they didn't find me. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like I guess I'm still employed. I guess it's a good one. And then That's it's like, okay, oh, maybe yeah. to, to know that I had all the fire behind me, it's like maybe I will just start my own business right, one day. Yeah. And I have that like in my mind is like that is something I could just do mm. because I've, again, not that I was putting hours into researching stuff. It was like, no, I just know like these are the courses I could do and that's a yeah. path I can take. But like that's in my brain now as if – I get bored or I mm. decide I just really want to do it one day, I could just do that. Yeah, and I'm allowed. Yeah. No one's going to stop me. Yeah, yeah. And I love that like just even just the idea of, of what let's call it failure in that terms is in losing your job meant it opened this whole new door for you that was like super exciting and like interesting. And, have, and of course you could do it. There's nothing stopping you from doing mm. it. Of course you could. Like again, this to go back to the self-helpy stuff, but like anyone who ever has done those things, it's because they realized, oh, I can just do that. I can do do the education. Yeah. I can put into practice, and I can do the thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's yeah. None of that comes without failure, ultimately. No. Yeah. And the thing you were talking about, or that we were talking about with the ball bouncing back and mm. forth. I remember when I had you know gone to have my brain judged as I was starting to feel like properly like myself and like mm. I was really capable of just like being calm and good. I remember over the period of about close to a year, mm -hmm. I felt like I had exactly the same ball bouncing thing. I had three realizations. The first one was like oh, my God, I actually could do anything, where yeah. I was like, I could, you know, go to a course, start my own business. I could, if I wanted to, go back, study heaps and become a doctor. I right. absolutely don't want to do that. Yeah. But, like, that is something that I, in theory, could do. Like, mm. there's not anything that, like, at that thing that we were talking about before, like, your own barriers are you. Yeah. In the most case, and I get, look, we're privileged people, but, mm. like, in a lot of the instances, you will stop yourself from doing something before another person will. Yeah. And again, I know that doesn't apply. That's very privileged. But mm. I think it's a good way to start looking at things. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, cool, I just could do anything. And then about six months later, I had the, 
oh, but I don't have to do anything. Yeah. And I had the realization of like, I could get up and leave any situation I'm in. Yeah. Started taking absolute joy in being like, I could just leave this party. <laughs> like, he was, you know, having fun, be like, I just walk outside. I'm yeah. going home. Yep. Um, and now whenever I go to a party, like if it's with a friend, we'll like plan the night and get really excited to get ready. And then it's like, okay, so what takeaway getting on the way home? Like, yeah, and like make yeah. the going home really exciting as yeah. well. So that's like a nice thing that came out of that. Uh-huh. And then another six months went by and I was like, oh no, I could do anything. And then I was like, I could start stealing. Like, who's going to stop me? Is it? And then I'm like, well, I will. I probably don't want right. to, probably don't want to steal it again. Yeah. I'm going to learn about the consequences and yeah. I don't want those. But I was like, no, I could, I could do anything. Yeah. You could just start like kicking stuff in the street. Again, <laughs> don't want to, don't encourage yeah. it. But the fact is that you could do anything, even if it's bad. Yeah. You're allowed yeah. to do bad things. Right. You're allowed to do a bad job. Yeah. But do you want to? Probably not. Mm. Like you probably don't want to do all those things. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that's an example of like, wow, humanity's great because we don't steal <laughs> and we don't punch people in the head. Yeah. Having that bounce back of like, right. whoa. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. And then yeah, and then again be like, but I don't have to. Okay, and I don't want to. Nice and it's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. All those choices again. Just yeah. having everything culminate to really just be like, wow, like you just you just can do most mm. things. Yeah. And it's so much about choice. Yeah, and it and it is like, but I do think it's shedding that that fear of like shedding that fear of failure means that all this choice is available to you. And then it's about, yeah, finding a nice, the nice spot for you to fit in within that. Like that's empowering. It's also arguably a little bit terrifying because, oh, so much choice. Um, But then, yeah, then it's just the journey of finding it. And even that journey, cool. That's a fun thing. Enjoy, like enjoy that journey, I guess. Yeah. And like, even from maybe a bit self-indulged perspective, Mm. like not as in myself, but if you think about, people who you've met who you have conversations where you're like, wow, they're really interesting. Mm. They usually do heaps. Yeah, and it's not yeah. that they're doing heaps all the time, but like like with Zama, when like I mm. first started working here, I was like, whoa, you're someone I look up to and you've done so much. That is right. so impressive to me. Yeah. But like think about when you're chatting to someone at a party, it's like, oh, what are you doing? Like I did this, did this, hated that. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like, tell me more. Yeah. That's always the thing that is, again, exciting about being alive. Mm. We get to do so much and we get to pick yes. so much of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And I think that's the... Uh, that's definitely the sort of revelation I've come on. And like, I, it's definitely something I try to spruik to other people. I think most people need to like ultimately come to the realization themselves. You got to, like, you know, we all know it in our heads. You got to feel yeah, it in your body. Yeah. But when you kind of like, and this is another thing of like shedding that fear of failure, like throwing the hat over the fence. I remember my dad basically having this chat with him once where he was much like me, where he had, he had always just stayed on that highway mm. and pretty much he didn't really ever pursue what was right for him. He just sort of said yes to things that came his way. Um, and not in a yes man situation where he's out doing wacky things and, you know, whatever in more like, Hey, you would, his his older brother said, you'd be a good pharmacist. So he was a pharmacist. (laughs) Um, and so like, he sort of followed this path where it was just like, yeah, following that highway of doing all those things that are right for him. Mm -hmm. And he could kind of recognize that that was in me. And I remember him having this great chat with me once where he sort of said, Oh, you're like me. You won't do anything unless you've got it all perfect in your head. And you know, when you're going to do it, you're going to do it hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Which is like, okay, well, then you mostly don't do anything because the things you're going to be 100% right on are very few and far between. Yeah. And you don't know you're going to be right until you do them, which well, that's means it too. Yes, just do exactly. them. Yeah, just give it a go. But You yes. don't know the future, dingus. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here, you dumb voice. Um, and so, yeah, he sort of said, but what you need to do is just throw your hat over the fence so you have to go over and pick it up. Um, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I and literally it's like, okay, there are times where I'm like, oh, but what if, but what if, what if? And then I, that's when I go, oh, okay, I just need to throw the hat. Like even this podcast was like for so long I had the idea for this podcast. I had a bunch of stories that had been rejected. I'm like, oh, I still like these stories. Like, yeah. you know, and again, 
they were rejected because they weren't right for those publications, but I still thought there was value in them and there, there is and was. And so I always wanted to, to put this podcast out. But for so long, I was like, oh, but I probably need a proper voice actor to do the readings of the stories and like, uh, well, I, how many do I need to do? If I want listeners to keep listening, I guess I better do like one a week. That's obviously impossible, you know, yeah. all these sorts of reasons to not do it. And then um, finally, I kind of like, okay, you need to throw your hat over the fence. Just commit to doing it. And so then, like, the first thing I did was, like, make the logo, make the cover art. I'm like, oh, I like that. Now this has to happen yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. Anyway, and then the cascade followed on from there. And, again, it was it's actually kind of – it makes me kind of think of your positive uh, spiral where yeah. it's like all of a sudden I had this nice cover art. They're like, well, maybe people will like it and maybe I can just read them and that'll be okay. And, and then finally I, like, had the idea of these chats to sort of add some extra episodes. I'm like, oh, well, I'm actually really excited about that. The stories are good, but now I'm like – this, this is sort of generally the part I'm really enjoying the most at the moment. And so by throwing the hat over the fence and just having to go pick it up, all of a sudden, yeah, I get to do this great thing and in, have so much joy in doing it in the interim. Where if I had gone, oh, I better wait so I've got it all the pieces lined up in my, the fictional pieces lined up in my head, I never would have done it and I would have robbed myself of all that joy. I'm glad you've got your joy. Yeah. And on the throwing your hat over the fence thing, mm. one of my favourite phrases at the moment is, something's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Like, I don't know what. You don't know. You yeah. wake up in the morning, oh, you want to do something? Cool, something's going to happen. Yeah, let's find out. Yeah. it'll. There'll always be something. And mm. that, you know, we were talking about grief before, that is one of the things that I personally find moves me through grief really fast. Mm. It's like, something's going to happen. Like, Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is a bit... Uh, on the darker side, mm. but going through grief, I find, always makes me feel like time gets a bit fuckled. Right. Um, just because you, you're grieving and time goes a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. So I always find I have to, like, manually restart time by just right. doing tasks. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's so weird. It, you'd never feel more like a sim where you're like, this bad thing <laughs> has happened to me and I have to have a shower. Like, right. oh, time to go to work. Like, oh, I've got to buy a grocery or keep yeah. myself fed. And it's so weird. All these things seem really weird and insignificant. But mm. Something's going to happen. Something's always going to happen. You kind of have to keep doing things. And like, yeah. that's what I find to manually restart time. But like, even though that's, you know, obviously a sad context, right. doing that for just day to day life is so lovely too. It's mm. like, well, you know, if you feel like nothing's really going on, like, yeah. what am I going to do? Like, I'm not really doing anything at the moment. Like, well, something's going to happen. Mm. Are you going to pick or yeah. are you going to let the world pick for you? Because well, something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we might leave it on that note because I think that's beautiful. Um, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for, I've had for joining so much me. Fun. Oh, Thank I've you. had so much fun, honestly. Um, all right. Well, if you'd like to hear more from Cass, you can check out her stellar podcasts, Shut Up a Second, D&Ds for Nerds, and Why Am I Sad? Did I leave any out? That's all of them? No, that's all of them. Oh, yay. Happy days. All right. Uh, or you can find her on Twitter at CassCassPage. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Midday Pajamas, or feel free to send me an email at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Short Tales, and I've been Damien Robb. And while this podcast will always be free, if you'd like to throw a few dollars, euros, rands, pounds, francs, yen, or any other currency at me to allow me to keep writing and releasing short tales and hopefully put out a few bigger projects down the line as well, you can do so by visiting my Ko-Fi page, which you can find at ko-fi.com forward slash Damien Robb, or you can find the link in the episode show notes. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.